Atmosphere Church podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can. If you need prayer or just someone to talk with, please send us an email to info at atmosphere.church. Someone from our team will be sure to connect with you. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. What's up, y'all? So my name is Pastor Jim. I'm the lead pastor. And welcome to the 80s. So uh, just I'm curious, as this thing is not cooperating with me, I'm curious how many of you guys grew up in the 80s? Okay, all right. How many of you were born after the 80s? All right, all right, all right. Okay, so you're just going off the memories of your parents. Um, But uh, I... I want to do this series called Back to the 80s, not, not that I want to relive the 80s, because some of you, you're like, no, I don't want to relive the 80s, that was a terrible time. But for me, being a child of the 80s, the 80s represents a time of simplicity for my life. And, and so maybe for you, simplicity is not the 1980s, maybe it's the 70s, maybe it's the 60s, or maybe it's the 90s, maybe it's the 2000s. But the, the whole premise of this series is we want to get back to the simplicity of our faith because it just seems in our day, in our era, everything is so complicated. Everything just, have you ever gotten into a project, it just like overwhelmed you so much that you found some excuse of not to do it and you just kind of procrastinate it. Maybe it's the cluttered garage that you have or, or maybe it's trying to learn a new app on your phone. How many of you still have to have your kids program your phone for you? It's just like, whoa, it's just way. Sometimes technology is stressful. It just, it's just so much to, to take in. And so I want, over the next several weeks, I want us to look at returning to the simplicity of the faith that God always intended us to live with. That's what I want to do. And we're gonna end it on March 15th by throwing an 80s party. So I, I, want, I want you to dress up in the 80s. And I asked the band, I said, I will take you all to lunch if you can dress up like Devo, all right? How cool would that be? I don't know, maybe I'm the only one. Some of you guys are like, who is Devo? Yeah. <laughs> dress up like white snake? <laughs> All right. I'm see in the in the 80s, like I was the rocker kid. I had the I had the rock band t-shirt and the parachute pants. How many remember parachute pants? Come on, somebody. Yeah, that's the look. So I don't know if you want to see me in um, tight pants. I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll just leave it parked there. But I want to pray, and if you have your Bibles, we're going, to, we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark this morning, the Gospel of Mark chapter 12. If you want to get your app out, you want to get your Bible out, let me pray this. Father, I thank you so much for this amazing new blended family that you've created called Atmosphere Church. God, I thank you for the lives that have been changed. Lord, I thank you for the people that have been healed. I thank you for the families that have been restored. And Lord, we're just getting started. And so I pray, God, that you would let your Holy Spirit Just come and have your way with us. Speak directly into our lives. And Lord, teach us 
what you want us to hear. And we thank you in advance for how you're gonna do that. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Men, all right, just a little plug too. Start lunch afterwards. Some of you are hungry right now. I'm telling you, free lunch just to get to know us a little bit better. Um, that's gonna be in the studio. But let's look at, at, at this idea of simplicity. There is a Bible verse, and, and I want you to hold your place in Mark, but I just wanna put it up on the screen for you because I, I think when it comes to the area of our faith, we overcomplicate it, and it's really simple. And check out what Paul has to say about this. This is... Overcomplicating your faith is actually a demonic strategy to discourage you from living the life that God wants you to live. Jesus made it so simple, but the devil wants to steal the simplicity so it will become so overwhelmingly complicated that you'll just want to throw in the towel and not try at all. Check this out. It says, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Such a good verse. Because some of you know this to be true. You, maybe because of your life stresses, things that have happened, uh, maybe because of the busyness of your schedule, things that you had to do, things have become overly complicated, you've overcommitted yourself, you're overthinking everything that comes your way, you're overstimulating yourself just to kind of keep yourself together, and the bottom line is, through that process, the waters have become murky when it comes to your faith. And it's hard for you to really see God do what he wants to do with your life. So we wanna pull it back and we wanna return the simplicity that Christ always intended faith to have for our life. I like to call it this, kiss, all right? Keep it simple, saint, not the other thing, all right? <laughs> keep it simple, saint. Right now, turn to your neighbor and say, keep it simple, saint. <laughs> this is the whole, this is, this is the whole uh, premise of our series, and, and we're going to go to Mark chapter 12 this morning because Jesus is being questioned by the religious authority of his time, the Pharisees, and they were questioning him because there was so much turmoil going on with Jesus. I mean, he had a big following, miracles were happening from his life, and, and so they were putting him on the hot seat, and they were trying to entrap him so that he would lose his following, and his popularity would go by the wayside. And the Pharisees, along with the Sadducees, the other religious kind of elite that were in their time, they, they prided themselves in following the religious customs and laws. And within Judaism, with especially, especially within uh, the Pharisee sect, there were 613 laws and regulations that they made sure they followed, and they followed them to a T. At least they tried to. They, they were there checking the box saying, hey, we're, we're good men of God. We follow all of these commandments. And so they're, they're trying to trap Jesus. They're, they're trying to get him uh, to lose his following. And so one scribe or, or lawyer comes up to Jesus as they're trying to put him on the hot seat. And this is what happens. One of the scribes came to, and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well asked him this, what commandment is the foremost of all? And Jesus answered, the foremost is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And with that, the scribe says, hey, you've answered well. 
You, you've, you've spoken well, and I do agree with that. And then Jesus tells him, well, you're not far from the kingdom of God. He's like, good job. Like, th- this is how simple faith is. It comes down not to 613 different rules and regulations to follow. It comes down to two. And if you could do these two well, you are going to arrive at what God always intended for you to have with your relationship with him. So we need to go and look at this. Now, we, we look at this, and it may be new for you, but for the Jewish people listening to Jesus say this, this is like, oh yeah, absolutely. This is what was known in Judaism as the Shema prayer or the Shema reciting. It was a declaration of faith and, and the pledge of allegiance to one God. It, it was said at the arising in the morning and upon the sleep at night, and it said uh, praising God when uh, beseeching him. And it's the first prayer that a Jewish child is taught to say, and it's the last words a Jew says prior to his death. I mean, so when Jesus is speaking this, they're like, absolutely, we're, we're very familiar with this saying. So what we need to do is we need to unpack this a little bit. If, if, if it really is this simple, if, if our devotion to God comes down to two rules, we should probably learn these really, really well. Now, we have to understand that there's a step one here. If you really want to step into faith, you got to understand what Jesus Christ has already simplified for you, and that is for you to be connected with God. Because the Bible says our sin separates us from God. The failures, mistakes, and things that we've done to offend God have separated, have caused a, a chasm to happen between us and our relationship with God. So Jesus came to this world. He died for our sins so that we could be forgiven for this one purpose, so that we could be reconnected with God. So that when we would die, we would go to heaven. But see, the death of Jesus allows us to get into heaven. But the resurrection of Jesus allows heaven to get into us. And what we need to talk about more in the church is how that heaven working inside of us is supposed to work out in our faith. And so what Jesus is saying here is you want to simplify this. This is, this, you don't need a theology degree to live a lifestyle that God always intended you to live. It comes down to these two basic rules or laws, if you want to call them that. And it's to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength to love your neighbor as yourself. Let's, let's unpack this. Okay, take notes. What does it mean to love God with all of your heart? Now, the word there in the Greek is cardia, and it's not talking specifically about your physical muscle inside of your body heart. And and we know that 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 is an important part of us living, but what Jesus is talking about here, when he mentions the word heart, he's mentioned that inner part of us that is in control of our emotions. It's in control of our passions, it gives us the desires. It's, it's the desire manufacturer inside of us. And so the first thing that Jesus is saying is that if, if you really want to lean in and have God manifest himself within your life, then you need to learn how to love God with that part of you that is your passionate, emotional desire center of who you are. Now, this is interesting Because in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and and this is what he says. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, you may have never heard this before, but what you need to look at is how Jesus is connecting the dots to the things that we value. That's our treasure, all right? The things that we value, the things that that we look at and have value for our lives. He says, if you really want to know 
what somebody is passionate about, then you need to look at what they have put as valuable in their life. What, what is their treasure? Because what they treasure will show you the condition of their heart or the things that they're passionate about or, or the, the things that they desire. And how do you know what your treasure is? There's three places to look in your life. If you really wanna know, what is the treasure of my life? Look in three areas. Look in your bank account and how you're spending your money. Look at your bank statement, all right? We used to say checkbook, but not anybody carries checkbooks anymore. But you look at your bank statement, how do you spend your money? You look at your schedule, how you spend your time. And here's the third one that you may have not thought about. What do you spend the most amount of time talking about? What, what are the conversations look like with you and your friends, you and your coworkers? What is it that you talk about most often? And those three things will in, indicate to you exactly what you're passionate about. It, it'll indicate to you the things that you desire the most in your life. Now, we all wanna say, yeah, it's God. God is my number one passion. I love God with all my heart. If that is true, we should be able to look at your bank statement and see that there is money that is earmarked for the kingdom of God. Now, this isn't a message on tithing and giving in the church. It's in general. It's just, it's just you being generous towards the kingdom of God. That looks much bigger than just giving to church. That looks like on how you are helping people in general, that you are a more generous person for the point of God's kingdom. Your schedule, you're more involved, you're serving, you're, you're giving yourself over to the kingdom of God, you're, you're helping out, you're volunteering, you're doing things for the kingdom of God and it's taking up your time. And the third thing is you're, you're talking about God. You're, you're, you're going to work and, and it's not that, you know, I, I gotta be a good Christian today. No, it's like it's just overflowing from just like, wow, I gotta tell you what God told me today and then what God whispered to me as I was at church and, and while I was in prayer. And well, you'll never guess what God did with my life, man. I have a God story. It just, it exudes out of who you are when you're passionate about him. So the, the first thing we need to look at is the condition of our heart. Proverbs 4, verse 23, in the Passion Translation says, So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Here's what I've learned following Jesus for the last 30 plus years of my life. Sometimes the feeling just isn't there. And I'm just gonna tell you that. Sometimes... I don't feel like praying. Sometimes I don't feel like going to church. You say, but you need to because you're the pastor. I know, but sometimes, sometimes I don't feel it. But this is what I've learned. I've learned to not let my feelings dictate my actions. And I've learned something, that as I motion towards that which I want to be passionate about, my emotions follow my motion. I say it this way, emotions follow motion. Your emotions follow your emotion. Whatever you are, are intentional about following and pursuing, your passions follow that which you pursue. And that which you pursue will become your passion. It may not start as your passion, but it will become your passion. The idea of fake it till you make it is kind of sort of true. I mean, psychologists will even back me up on this principle. 
Some of you that, that you feel frustrated in your marriage, you don't feel like you love your spouse anymore, and it's like, I think it's over. I'm telling you right now, if you commit today to start pursuing your spouse like you did when you started dating, your emotions towards your spouse are gonna shift. That's a rhema for somebody in here today that's married. Your emotions will follow the motion and your passion will eventually come as you begin pursuing that which you wanna become passionate about. So your affection toward God is the same thing. I don't, I don't feel very affectionate toward God. First of all, know that God loves you. The Bible says that we love God because he first loved us. So it starts with you recognizing that, hey, God really loves me. He's crazy about me. I told you last week to turn to your neighbor and say, you are so loved. I'm not going to have you do it again, but you need to understand first that you are loved by God, and the more that that sinks in, the more that you will want to be affectionate toward God. Because that's what happens with love, right? You know somebody's crazy about you, and, and you're told, I don't know, it's kind of a weird metaphor, but you remember probably in your adolescence, I, I remember, you know, back in the 80s, I remember my first girlfriend. I remember the, the first time I, I wrote on the note, will you go with me? Yeah, in, in, in this day and age, people are like, where to, stalker? Like, um... <laughs> But you, I, how many of you remember the 80s? Like you would write a little box, say yes, and a little box that says no, and then you just say if you put maybe, you know? <laughs> and you pass it in class. But when I found out that that girl checked yes, I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. And so you become affectionate towards those who you believe are affectionate towards you. God is affectionate towards you. So, so shift yourself and, and then really test yourself in these three areas, your, your time, your, your bank statement, and, and your conversation. Here's the second, and that is loving God with all of your soul. This soul part of you, th this is your character. This is the only part of you that actually stays with you into your afterlife, into eternity, that, that soul. That, this is the special part of you that connects with God. It's that innermost chamber that is spiritual in nature. And it's in that space that God does supernatural things. Loving God with your soul is you being intentional and say, I'm gonna connect with God because Jesus has made connection with God a possibility. I'm making sure that I connect with him. I'm getting connected. I'm in the zone. Check this out in Colossians chapter four, verse two. Devote yourselves to what, church? Prayer. To prayer. Keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So being thankful while you talk to God. And prayer is simply talking to God. It's having conversation with God. And prayer is a two-way conversation. A lot of times when we talk about prayer, people have a misunderstanding of prayer, just saying, hey, this is like when I bring my shopping list to God. No, prayer is your your ability to connect with God and have relationship with him. And, and that is a two-way conversation where you're talking to God and you pause and you're quiet and you start letting him download to you the things that, that he wants to speak back to you. See, some of you aren't, aren't getting answers to prayer. It's not because God is not speaking. It's because you're speaking over on top of God speaking. Sometimes in prayer, it's just like, okay, I've said my, my words and now I'm just gonna be quiet because you need to understand something about the voice of God. He speaks with a still, small voice. 
So if you really wanna dial into what God has to say about your trouble, if you really wanna dial in to hear what God has to say about that relationship conflict, then you gotta get really quiet because he speaks with a still, small voice. And I'm telling you, it's in the prayer room that you hear the affirmation of who he desires for you to be. It's in, the, it's in that chamber that you find the strength to overcome whatever it is that's trying to overcome you. It's there in the prayer room that God is giving you vision for what he's up to in your life. I mean, there's so many beautiful things that happen when you start loving God with your soul and you're given time with God just to talk to you. This week in the prayer room, I mean, God's doing some cool stuff. I told you he would. And we're going there at the studio every morning at 6 a.m. And man, we're, we're, we're praying. We're, we're looking at the word. And we had a, a word given to us on Wednesday. And it was talking about the power of the word of God and how it plays a role in spiritual warfare. So that the enemy is coming after you. The devil is real and he's coming after you. And God has equipped us with the word of God as, as a knife, as a sword to come against him as he's coming against you. It's the only offensive weapon and part of the armor of God that's mentioned in Ephesians chapter six. And so we were encouraged on Wednesday morning, hey, to go in our, in our prayer time and get a hold of verses from scripture that are gonna arm us against the ways the enemy is coming against our lives so that we have a weapon to come against him as he's coming against us. And so I was so excited to, to start praying and, and opening the Bible and, and asking God to give me some revelation of verses that he wanted me to, to hold on to and, and to start proclaiming. How did Jesus face the devil when he was being tempted in the wilderness? The word of God. It's, it's our sword. And so I was so excited and I started praying. I'm like, God, just, just give me some, some really good uh, verses that I can just hold as swords in my hand to come against the enemy. And then I was reminded of this funny thing that happened at Christmas time. Uh, at Christmas time, my father-in-law was talking to uh, Tara and I about what he should get Josiah for Christmas. And he said, I, I think I wanna get Josiah a set of knives. And, and uh, I don't know how you guys would feel with Josiah having a set of knives. I'm like, yeah, man, he, he needs some knives. He's, some, he's becoming a man, like he needs some, he needs some weapons. I was like all excited about Josiah. And I'm like, why didn't I get him any knives? And, and so, uh, you know, his grandpa was really excited to get him, the, you know, these knives, and Joe opened them. He's like, whoa, this is so exciting. And, and so that, that first night he got his knives, he, like, put them on his, like, nightstand. He, like, had them all laid out, and just, like, you know, for one for each day of the week, I, I guess. I don't know. Um, and, and so he was super excited about this. Now, I took a, a different outlook on it as I was praying, you know, on Wednesday, and I had this picture in my mind of how excited my son was that he had these knives, and he kind of felt just a little bit protected. Like he had something to defend himself in case anything would happen against his life. And I was like, wow, God, what if like this prayer time isn't about me equipping myself with a, a weapon? What if this is me praying for my family to get their weapons? Like I would love to give my family their own knives, like spiritual knives. And so right there in the prayer time on Wednesday, God began giving me scriptures to give to each one of my family members. My wife, he gave me one. My son, he gave me one. Uh, Mackenzie, my daughter, he gave me one. Uh, Kylie, my other daughter, he gave me one. And so I'm writing these out, and, and I was so excited. And so I got home, and, and they were still all home in the morning. And I was, I was so excited to like, present them their knives, right? I was like, I got, I got your knives. And they're like, what are you talking about? This is a 
a notebook card. And, and I said, there's a scripture on here. And I said, God gave me this as I was praying for each of you this morning, and, and I wanted you to have it. And so the scripture that my wife received from me that I felt like the Lord told me to give her, it was the Passion Translation from this verse that I, I got. She looks at it, and I'm, I'm teary-eyed, like giving them each a verse, and I was already like, like a mess just because I felt God move in that moment so strongly. She runs up to our bedroom, and she grabs her notebook, and she brings it down. She goes, Jim. This is crazy. She goes, last night I'm praying and God divinely gave me this verse and I looked up the passion translation of this verse and I wrote it in my notebook and I underlined certain words of that scripture and you gave me a note card with the same exact verse in the passion translation. Check this out. I had underlined the same exact words that she underlined. Come on. Let me tell you. There are things that God is wanting to reveal to you that will only be told to you in the inner chamber when you are in prayer. There's revelation, and there, there are answers for your breakthrough when you take time and you love God with all of your soul. All of my kids, that, that was a, a, a really strong morning because all of my kids felt like that word was for them. What's your word? What's your sword? And we'll get to that here with this next point. And that is uh, love God with all of your mind. Love God with all of your mind. So we've, we've already figured out how do we love God with our soul? How do we love God or with our heart, with our soul? Now, how do we love God with our minds? And think about your minds right now. More than likely, you've had a problem with getting thoughts stuck in there and like an old 80s record, it just plays on repeat and just keeps skipping on the same part and you know that it's not good for your life to put that on repeat, that thought, that thought bubble. It's dark, it's toxic, and it's not healthy for you. Check out what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse two. He's gonna give us the ability to love God with our minds. This is what he says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Paul's saying we are changed. We experience a changed life when we renew our minds so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So what God wants to do to change your life, he wants to wash your brain. So, see, he wants to take all of that stuff that you've collected over the years from your experiences, from all of the media intake that you've subjected yourself to, and he wants to wash you so that your mind might be renewed. And in the Greek language, this is interesting, it's the word for renovation. Mitch is a contractor. He gets that. Renovation is messy sometimes, isn't it, Mitch? Yeah. It's like uh, what, what Chip and Joanna Gaines, what Chip says, demo day. He, Chip Gaines loves demo day because he likes thrashing things. And let me tell you, when God begins renovating your mind, what does he do? The first thing he does is he starts purging all of that old toxic thought processes out of your life. And then you can't just leave it there. You gotta bring in the new stuff. There's new stuff that God wants you thinking about. And if you wanna love God with your mind, then you're gonna start asking the question, God, what new stuff do you want me to be thinking about? Now, Philippians chapter four, verse eight, talks about this idea of, of thinking about things that are holy and worthy of our praise. And if you think about this, this is where the word of God comes in. Studying the word of God. This is, we, we do a Bible reading plan where we get into 
a New Testament book of the Bible and an, and an Old Testament book of the Bible every day. And right now, coincidentally, we're reading the book of Acts. And I believe this whole series about simplicity is that we are to go back and relearn how to live a lifestyle with God from the original brand new church that was existing in the original 80s, right? Not, not the 1980s, but the original 80s when everything was fresh and new and a walk with God was so exciting. We, we gotta go back and, and learn the word of God. We gotta find out what God is saying and, and not to dive into it and just, you know, I wanna go deep with the word of God. I wanna go deep. No, it's about reading the word and saying, how can I apply this to my life? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix my thoughts on Scripture of how God wants me to be obedient in these things that I'm supposed to be being obedient on. See, there's a lifestyle in the, book of, uh, or in the Bible. And as you study the books of the Bible, you're going to be learning not just a new way of thinking. You're going to find out a new way of living. And you can't understand the new way of living until you start learning it. And so you apply the Bible. You learn the Bible and you apply the Bible. And, and don't get so caught up and, and go super deep. Like, what does is, what is the word the mean? And I, I, something, can, can, can I just tell you something, love? Stop overcomplicating it. Stop, stop trying to look at the deeper meaning and look at what it's saying and just start being obedient to what it's telling you to do. Well, what does it mean in the Greek or the Hebrew? And let's break this down. No, forget all that. Just look what it says in English and do it. <laughs> just do what it says in English. You know, I, I have mad respect for the Reformation movement because they, they they, the intention was, like, we want to return to the Word of God. But I kind of get frustrated with guys in our modern era that, like, we need to go back to the Reformation movement. I'm like, are you kidding me? In the 16th century, I mean, people were killing other people because they didn't believe the Bible the same way they did. Hello? That doesn't say, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. You don't believe like I believe, so I'm going to kill you in Jesus' name. No, if we really want to go back, we don't need the Reformation movement. We need the Restoration movement. We need to go back to the very, very beginning and say that is how you live your life with God in the book of Acts. And, and that's what we want to be as a church family. We want to be a continuation of how God was moving in the early church, in the beginning church. And how do we love God with our minds? We are intentional to put our minds on the thoughts of God, which is recorded to us in the Bible. Here's the fourth thing, and I've got to land this really quickly because we're running out of time is loving God with all of your strength so we've already learned the first three now here's the last one loving God with your strength this is your actions the this is what you do this is how you apply what you are learning by a lifestyle in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 it says for we are God's masterpiece can I just declare to you right now you are not a mistake turn to your neighbor say you're not a mistake you're a masterpiece just tell him God doesn't make mistakes. He only makes masterpieces. It says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that, say with me, so that, there's a reason, there's a reason you've been created that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. When God has envisioned your life, he always envisions seeing you do good things. He always envisioned you making a difference in this world. He always has seen that. 
So the question that you have to ask yourself is, when it comes to loving God with my strength, how can, how can I leverage my life and what I do for the kingdom of God? How can I love God by the things that I do? Obviously, there's habits in there, but there's also a, a, an intentionality about saying, God, I, I wanna do things for your kingdom. I, I wanna make a difference in my life for your kingdom, which leads us to the second greatest commandment. Jesus said there's two. There's one, that's love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like this. It says to love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> to love your neighbor. Won't you be my neighbor? The truth is, every human being that is in close proximity to your life is your neighbor. Everybody. Not just your neighbor that lives on your street, but that coworker that works with you. That person in front of you at Starbucks that is getting a coffee at the same time you're getting, that's your neighbor. The people that you're at church with, that's your neighbor. And what Jesus is teaching us here is if, if you get these two things down, you are going to live out the will of God on this planet for your life. It, it doesn't matter 613. It's, it's a matter how you're doing the two. And the crazy thing is, if you're doing the first one right, the second one will be the overflow of the first. You will not be able to not love your neighbor if you are in love with God. If you're loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you're gonna love your neighbor as a byproduct of how you're loving God. Because when you love God, you're gonna love the things that God loves, and God is crazy about people. And so when you are in love with God, you will be crazy in love with what God is in love with, and that is other human beings. You will love your neighbor when you love God. This is how John says it in 1 John chapter 4. He says, if someone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. If, if you have hatred in your heart, for people, that's an indicator that something's off in your love relationship with God because he should be renovating how you view people on how you love him. But you have to understand something. We cannot compartmentalize our faith. When, when God owns everything, it will splash over and it will hit every area of our life, including how we love people, which takes us all the way back to the book of Acts. I was reading chapter two again this week, and it, and it says that they were devoting themselves to prayer, the breaking of bread, going house to house, and, and it says that, that they were finding favor with all the people, and they were adding to their number day by day. I, I was thinking of that. They were so in love with God that they began loving everybody they began being generous towards everyone, so nobody had any needs. And it says that they were getting favor with all the people. I am convinced, as much as maybe the world pushes against a relationship with God, when, when you are living a, a lifestyle that God intended you to have, you are gonna find favor with people that you would think you would never have favor with. Are people gonna persecute you for your faith? Absolutely, but there is gonna be a level of favor that you have because people know genuine from fake. And what this world is tired of is fake Christians. They wanna see people that are genuinely in love with God, that love him with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And 
And they'll know that you genuinely love God by how you love them. And Jesus says, it's time to return to simplicity. And if you want to be devoted to God, it starts with the simplicity of your devotion to God, which spills over and allows you to love your neighbor. How do you love your neighbor? It's real simple. You find a need and you fill it. You find a hurt and you heal it. And there's hurts and there's things in your life. I'll have the worship band come up. There's hurts and there's, there's needs around you with people that are around you. And, and loving people, loving your neighbors, just, hey, if, if they have a need and, and, and I know about their need, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take the initiative that God put them in my life right now in this moment so that I can love them right now in a practical way. And, and so I'm, I'm just gonna love them. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna fill this need in their life. They reveal a hurt. You know what? God has equipped me with the power of the Holy Spirit so I can pray for them and see to it that they are healed of this hurt that is in their life. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at www.atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click on the tab that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.